1: Welcome back to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. Today, we are speaking with Kevin Kasaf, co-founder and president of Titan SunQuest Management, a national senior housing owner-operator, as well as president of Titan Real Estate Investment Group and managing member of Titan Realty Investors, a private commercial real estate investment Mr. Kasef manages the company and directs the firm's investment activity. Under his leadership, Titan has acquired $2 billion of commercial real estate. Mr. Kasef has more than 30 years of investment experience in acquisitions, dispositions, financing, leasing, and asset management, and has successfully completed and managed commercial real estate transactions nationally and internationally. We discuss the senior housing asset class with Mr. Kasef why it's interesting, and what investors should look for. Mr. Kaysaf gives us insights into what it takes to own and operate senior living facilities to the standards of institutional investors. He also gives us an honest and transparent view into his operations during this COVID-19 epidemic. Mr. Kaysaf shares our values of trust and transparency, working with the right people, and a thoughtful and disciplined investment philosophy. We're proud to work with him and Titan as one of Alpha Investing's sponsors. Now, there's a lot to learn about real estate, senior housing, COVID-19 operations, as well as wealth and company building from the perspective of a very successful real estate entrepreneur we really appreciate you coming on. You know, you're always busy anyway, but in the midst of the past several weeks, of course, I'm sure everything has escalated. I was listening to uh, a webinar from a large commercial lender and the, the gentleman, the CEO was saying, you know, on Monday I woke up and it was the first time in four weeks that I didn't have a critical Phone call to make, like it wasn't a crisis call I had to make. So things, you know, as you know from your experience and what you're going through, which we want to talk about today, is there's so much going on. You're in the thick of it, and you know, all that said, I just really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Absolutely, I think all of us are just a little bit uh, we're we're unsure of how long this thing is going to last. Is this one month, three months, six months? And how does it affect not only us personally, but us professionally? And so I think that um, as um, my um, involvement, whether it's cold storage or it's office buildings, it's senior housing, one of our biggest um, asset classes, um, how do you protect people? How do you protect investors? How do you you move forward? What does that look like? And we're in the thick of it. And so hopefully, uh, if today I can give um, some of the listeners a little bit of an idea of what I'm seeing on the front lines. Um, and that's, that would be great.
1: Yes. And, and again, you know, we really appreciate you coming on to do that. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, um, your experience, uh, Titan, and, and then we'll take it from there.
2: Sure. Um, the, uh, the 32nd elevator speech on uh, Kevin Case with is, um, when I came out of, I got my MBA at Vanderbilt uh, in Nashville, came out, went to work for a New York company, big public company, um, really enjoyed it. I was on the acquisition side. It was Insignia Financial Group. Um, and uh, I spent about seven or eight years there as a managing director, and I was running their acquisitions for um, the West Coast and Asia. So a lot of travel. Um, teamed up with all of the big um, uh, New York funds. We had uh, a lot of joint ventures, was very successful, <clears throat> loved it. But then in um, 2003, it was sold to C.D. Richard Ellis. And candidly, they did not want our, our group. We were competitive with another um, existing group they had. Uh, at the same time, I was planning on going out on my own. I just felt like um, I wanted to be in more control. I knew, I understood The business and it was time for me to branch out Um, a lot of entrepreneurs get that that time and point. Um, So what I did was uh, launched a Titan real estate investment group in 2003. We are a private value add real estate group. We brought in um, institutional and high net worth investors to our deals. And we just plowed forward. We focused on the four major food groups, which uh, in real estate, which would be office, industrial, multifamily, and retail. Uh, We didn't do any development. Uh, We had a very successful um, uh, track record from sort of 2003. We came out fairly unscathed uh, in the 2008 2009 downturn and then continued on. Fast forward to 2012 and I was introduced to um, a couple of gentlemen that were coming out of Holiday Corp uh, and wanted a platform in the senior housing sector. Holiday Corp, it was at the time, the largest operator, owner operator of independent living communities in the country with about, at the time, I think it was 330. They had just been bought by Fortress. A couple of the regional managers were very frustrated about where their where their jobs were going, where the company was going, so they reached out to me. Um, I looked at it. I liked that industry. It is an operating business, um, but as I I ran it past some some friends of mine that were in that business, they said, "Yep, these guys know what they're doing." So I agreed to be the balance sheet uh, and the platform, and so that was 2012. Fast forward, here we are in 2020. I think we're about 17 to 19 communities, about 1,500 residents. Uh, we're owner-operators, so we have over 600 employees. And uh, it's quickly become the future of our business. We like what we see um, as far as a, um, a return perspective of what's going on, where we see it going forward. In addition to the senior housing, we also have a nice um, cold storage division. Another um, area that's doing very well in this very difficult environment. So that's where we are today. Awesome, Kevin. Thanks for for sharing that story.
0: I think a lot of investors in our network, when they see deals from you, they see Titan SendQuest. And I think also one of the first things people learn about the senior housing asset class is how operationally intensive it is. Like you mentioned, you have you know, 700 plus employees, many of which are, are skilled laborers. Uh, it's a much larger operational thing that you're, that you're managing there. It'd be interesting to hear a little bit about the merger or the acquisition uh, with, with SendQuest and how you thought about kind of bringing everything under one roof, you know, why that made sense, just kind of getting your mindset uh, as it relates to that
2: transaction. Uh, very good question i think that in real estate we look at a traditional thing which is it's not an operating business it's real estate you have you have a revenue you've got a operating expenses you've got some capital expenses debt and you you deal with some leasing issues um with an operating business and that would be we came into this senior housing having operating business experience from our cold storage which is the same way it's very different. There's more moving variable parts than traditional real estate. But that also is, that's that's a negative that there's a lot more to watch and a lot more to go wrong. But it's also a positive because you, there are so many people that are in this industry that just sort of don't care. They're not taking the, the time to understand what the operating metrics are and holding their people to it. They have to realize it's a um, you you can be the smartest person in the world uh, and set this whole thing up. But if you haven't created a culture, 600 people will go off and do their own thing and create problems and all those type of things. And I'm not even talking about the COVID type of issues we're facing today. I'm talking about sort of pre and post COVID. That you have to set the culture and decide what it is you want to be known for and how you're going to operate. So those are the kind of things that kind of got, um, got me excited about an opportunity, an opportunity to do better. Um, I chose to bring Senquist in-house very quickly, Daniel, for one reason, that they were um, doing an okay job on the management it was very mediocre and we wouldn't put up with it. We had to be, we're, we're used to um, reporting to an, on an institutional level. It's so important. Everything has to be perfect. If it isn't, make it. So we brought in a higher caliber of CFO, regional managers. And that's what I did. I, I understand people and I just had to move some people out, move some people in and have better oversight. Um, because fundamentally, and you know this um, better than I do and all your investors do, is I put up my money along with everyone else and I have no interest in losing it.
1: Kevin, I wanted to ask a quick question as you were saying institutional and we use that word a lot, of course. Um, Can we just like dive in just a little bit what does that represent? Like for people who may not understand when, you know, we're talking about institutional, what does that look like? And, um, you know, how can we describe that to people when you're talking about it had to be brought up to institutional standards?
2: Well, let's define institutional to me is either a public or a private company that has amassed a, um, a group of investors. Uh, pension funds, um, high net worth family offices, pull those into an investment fund that's got um, a certain time period, return requirements, and they will reach out, uh, they typically will reach out to us and and say they'd like to partner with us. So they'll put in 90% of the capital, we'll put in 10%, we'll have an incentive management fee. That is, that's fundamentally what I'm talking about. The people, could be your typical, uh, as far as names, so we can uh, be a little more clearer, most of your big insurance companies have real estate funds. Um, Wall Street is, um, for instance, Principal, Prudential, um, MetLife, they all are the, these bigger funds. Your, um, your Wall Street private equity funds, multi-billion dollars that will be in every different asset class beyond real estate, they will typically all have real estate and wanna do these type of transactions. That would be your Blackstone, your KKRs, your Apollos, those type of names uh, should be very familiar to a lot of people. Those are your funds. When we do business with, we've done business with some of them, but not all of them that I've named, that these are um, very smart investors and they demand that our monthly quarterly and annual reporting is to at a level we have to do it per a gap standard we do not have to have audited but we have to have in such a way that they feel like they're seeing a clear picture and if you if you're on course great but if you're off course what is it you're doing to bring it back onto course and so let's let's jump in at a high
0: level into this senior housing asset class, you know, so that's where you spend you know the majority of you know your sponsor time today. Um, you know, we've worked on a lot of deals with you over the the past you know four or five years. You know, we know a lot about the space and why it's interesting. But I think it'd be great for investors to hear that you know from you. You know, how do you look at this asset class? Um, why should investors find it? Uh, interesting to invest their capital here. Something high level about about your thoughts generally on this space.
2: Okay. Uh, I believe that um, senior housing is an excellent sector to be involved with uh, for number one reason is that the demand, the number of adults that are crossing over that 65 into sort of their retirement years, that, that our demand that's needed in this sector is gonna be very large and there's all kinds of very good statistics and I think you've shared some with your investors. We will see this really continuing up until 2030. That's a, it's 10 years from now, that's a long run. Beyond that, senior housing has a very unique asset class that's very different than other real estate. More than half of the base, more than half of the communities in the United States are not owned by institutions, but owned by say a mom and pop, um, a local person. Why that's attractive to me is because these people typically don't run it well, don't understand what the good operating metrics are. So there's a real opportunity to step in and right size a shift, uh, but bring in our culture, but actually make operational changes so you can reduce expenses almost day one, uh, sometimes up to 20%. That allows us, with a, with a conservative level of debt, to really start getting to double-digit cash returns by year two. That's something you typically don't see um, in office, industrial Uh, For retail, definitely not now. And it's something that I think is very attractive uh, to us as an opportunity to get in there. So it's an operational focus. You see most sponsors
0: in the senior housing asset class working on ground up development deals. Uh, That's not where you focus your efforts. Um, What are your thoughts? Why, Why is that the case?
2: You know what? I'm a big believer in do what you know and stay away from what you don't know. Um, that's really what it comes down to. There's very good money to be made in development. I am not a developer. I just, just, I'm not going to touch it. I'll leave it to somebody else. Um, I like, I think our mantra is buying good cash flow with upside. So,
1: Kevin, at at this point, one of the questions that I'm sure everybody's asking is... Um what are you seeing um, across your properties as it relates to COVID-19?
2: Seniors are one of the most at-risk groups and the uh, likelihood of having a um, a very bad outcome uh, from an outbreak inside of the community does keep us up at night. So let me give you a um, an overall what we're seeing across our communities nationwide. First and foremost, um, at this time, we have no positive COVID-19 cases um, in our communities, and that would be both residents and staff. I will not be so arrogant to say that we won't get one, um, but I think that we're, um, for the last month, sort of ahead of the CDC, we have been um, trying to put in some protections that um, to limit the ability for an infection to get into our communities and or spread. So let's run over the kind of stuff we're doing right now. Number one is we do a almost weekly email campaign to both um, the residents, the family members, and our staff updating of what's going on company-wide, letting them know. We are uh, restricted things like no new admissions, even to the detriment of our leasing, um no non-essential visitors no communal dining and no group activities i know these are very difficult for a lot of uh, residents and family members but we hope and we've tried to um uh, enunciate to them it's so important we have to keep this virus outside our communities when it gets inside it can spread very fast so the kind of things that we are um we are doing would be trying to help them be positive, keep it up um, and and fun. Uh, For our employees, we've had um, sort of a positive negative issue. We we know it's very difficult. Uh, A lot of the caregivers are young mothers and they've lost daycare, the kids are no longer in school. So we have outside these communities tried to help them by organizing uh, some child uh, and daycare. We have um, increased our sick leave. Um, so we're spending more money. We're trying to appreciate our employees more. We are uh, now going to start feeding our employees on site um, during their shifts. And we also have, um, we've sort of pulled everything together to make sure that, that, that to show them that we care um, and that we get through this. So if it's one, one month or three months, that's what it takes. And the is willing to spend the money. The positive on the labor side, it's not all negative. The positive on the labor side is that with the number of layoffs um, that are occurring in elsewhere in the economy, especially in the retail, say the restaurant, fast food sector, we have um, a tremendous number of job applicants. Um, and therefore it has helped us. We have not laid off one person.
1: What I was thinking about when you were talking about, you know, bringing food to people that are on shift and seniors not being able to do their group activities, because so much about these communities is the loneliness factor that's being removed by them being in a community as opposed to aging in place. And, you know, the morale issue is really what I'm trying to get at. Like, It's such an important piece of everyone's life right now. Everyone's, you know, to some degree suffering, whether it's loneliness or boredom or anxiety. So I think it's wonderful that you're taking these initiatives to help, even from just a morale perspective, as I'm sure that that is like something very, very important in your communities.
2: Well, thank you. I think like all of us, we're sitting here at home in this sheltered place with no playbook. Who whoever thought this was ever gonna be the situation. So beyond that, now you have an issue of, we're all sort of sheltered in place and we have a responsibility to take care of some seniors. We've been entrusted to take care of them. So this is not just dollars and cents. This is about caring and doing the right thing. So with that, we're we're trying to, we bring together a good group of people. Titan is incredibly lucky that one, uh, the person that I brought in to lead our internal group at, in addressing this COVID-19, Richard Terry, he's one of our regional managers. He is a former fire chief, as well as he was trained as an emergency management coordinator. So he's gone to all the FEMA training. So, everything from a biological attack to a terrorist attack, he understands that. So, when we, when this thing popped up in, call it early March, that we first became aware of it, and I found out about his background, he was immediately tasked with being um, our lead. We talk several times a day, seven days a week. But having somebody who doesn't panic, he understands, he knows what needs to happen. We have already reviewed if there's an outbreak in our community, what we're going to do. Here's what we do. Every one of our executive directors is on the phone with him with a, I have a question. What about this? What about that? We have an upset family member. We have a happy family member. There's always that person. It's having the right people in place. We're, I feel like we're doing everything we possibly can to get through this as unscathed as possible. Right now we
0: live in this fake news world, right? Uh, the news media tends to be really alarmist. Um, you know people are hearing a variety of different truths around kind of what's happening here. But you know you're on the the front lines. You're talking with the actual health agencies and and of course, you know more than than most, you have a you know a real financial incentive to make sure you handle this a pandemic in an, you know, in the, in the right way. Um, what are, what are you hearing? Um, you know, what are the things that, uh, you know, kind of make it, what are the things that worry you? And then what are the things that you know, give you hope that, you know, maybe this thing will, uh, will pass
2: relatively soon? I have a couple of very strong. I will not touch on the national media just because I think there's a hot points and somebody can have an opinion either way. Let me just talk you about actual running these communities. The CDC is phenomenal. Um, Most of the health departments in the cities are phenomenal. We are actually on a first-name basis with most of these people, and there really is good working relationship. The minute something goes wrong, we call, is it a possible positive test? They're all over it, they'll follow up. It's really good teamwork, and I feel very positive. Um, The part that uh, I don't like hearing Um, is, and you brought up, it's it's called fake news. Um, I hear people are trying to, reporters are trying to come up with stories. So they're talking about, um, they're talking about the number of people that uh, are going into assisted living, that this is not going to work in the future. Um, Look at somebody get sick. Absolutely ridiculous. Loneliness is one of the most difficult issues that seniors deal with. And aging at home doesn't work. For loneliness. Um, these people may not have common dining, we may not have group activities, but we're having pajama parties, we're having funny hat day, all that stuff to keep inside our communities. Um, senior housing is going nowhere and these people are writing these silly stories based on, you know, maybe one skilled nursing in northern Washington state that had um, an epidemic passed through um, and they had to clear it out is not uh, representative of an entire industry. So that's what I'm hearing. And as you
0: have conversations with, you know, colleagues that, you know, maybe are sponsors in the senior housing asset class or uh, investors in this space, you know, what are the things that, you know, you're hearing
2: in, in that world? I've actually was um, very surprised uh, approximately three weeks ago, some huge pension funds with hundreds of millions of dollars invested in the big REITs. I started getting calls from some people saying, hey, these guys want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So I had a series of um, three to four hour long conversations. What they were doing is we've heard good stuff about Titan what are you guys doing in this COVID? We want to hear this. And they peppered me with, where do you see this, the industry going? Where do you see uh, the dip, how long to come back? Now, a lot of this takes a ability to look into the future, which I don't have. I have to react to it and I'll try to do my best. But it was, um, I was flattered and I tried to give them um, my take on, on where, what we're doing to combat COVID-19 inside our communities. Best practices that we've instituted, and um, hopefully they they learn something from that. But I, I was impressed that a group of seventeen was was talking to an investor that had invested in a company that has three thousand.
0: Know, yeah, it's it's really great to hear how you know proactive that you're being, um, you know, given the you know the vulnerable you know age population that that you're looking after, and just how thoughtful you guys are um, you know, and really looking at it in a holistic way, not just, you know, protecting from COVID, but, you know, also still providing a really high quality of life. And and so I'm sure everyone here, you know, appreciates that, you know, moving on to a, a topic that, you know, we as an investment group talk about a lot, or as investors, we think about a lot is this idea of, you know, personal wealth building and, and strategy and so, you know, you're obviously a very successful, you know, real estate sponsor. You've been doing this for a while, um, but you don't just invest in, in real estate. Um, you know, I'm sure you've got a broader strategy beyond that. It'd be really interesting, I think, for people to hear a little bit about how you think about building wealth, you know, what your goals are, um, you know, what your plan is for, you know, the, your life post Titan real estate, that sort of thing.
2: Well, my life actually took a big change uh, this last year. I left, uh, I left LA, which I lived for 20 years, and moved to a ranch in um, north of Santa Barbara, uh, a horse ranch. So we've got 11 horses and, and a whole lot of acreage. So my life is very different. Um, it's improved. But wealth building is going to be different for everybody. And I found it when, I, when I'll talk to my brother and sister it's their propensity to take on um, some level of risk and everybody's different. And at night you have to be able to sleep with what, what you, decision you made. So, so you know, trading Forex futures is fine for some people and absolutely out of line for other people. For me personally, um, a substantial amount of my net worth is tied up in real estate. And I feel comfortable with that because I understand it. So that's the it comes down to all this stuff. If you don't understand it, get out. I just can't see. Just because somebody talked you into it, don't chase yield. Stick with what you know. Um, the downside to having all of your, a lot of your um, net worth in, in real estate is that net worth, um, is, real estate is a long-term perspective. We can't, it's illiquid. We can't get in and out quickly so therefore when you have to make some decisions based on looking out long term for instance interest rates are incredibly low we don't see them climbing anytime soon especially with um all of the money that's being baked into this economy right now we see how about inflation well they're printing a lot of money those type of things you have to look long term so yes so i get involved with you, you put a certain amount in stocks very little in bonds right now because i do not sure what you're buying. But for me, it's always, um, it's, don't just trust somebody's opinion. Assume that it's with uh, a number of our, like a number of our investors will, um, when I'll show them a project, they go, I drove over, I got on a plane, I drove over and I saw it. I'm very impressed. They wanted to see what, what I see and i like it i like when somebody peppers us with a lot of questions challenges our assumptions we're making a guess into the future i'm very impressed when somebody uses that same level of due diligence by the way i know this is just a shameless plug for alpha but i'm very impressed with you know you guys with the number of questions you'll spend an hour just digging into financials if you understand part of the business i understand it better but you don't you don't back down from challenging, are you sure of this? What about this? What happens over here? That impresses me, and that will, I believe, we cannot look back. That will be a long-term perspective versus a short-term, just do the deal.
0: Well, we're going to definitely remember that the next time we're on a two-hour diligence call. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> so, Kevin, uh, uh, another question that uh-huh. comes to mind, and we've talked about this a little bit before, is... You know, you you said this, and I took notes from our pre-call. Was you you said that there's like keys to success that transcend real estate and apply to all investing. And I think you've covered some of that with like the due diligence, um, know what you're investing in, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, is there anything else that, in your experience, these keys to success that that are applicable across the board when it comes to um, investing?
2: Yes, I think we hit a few of them right there. Number one um, should be at the top of the list was everything goes up and goes down. So I think it's very important to understand that before you get into something, where you're gonna get out. It always amuses me where people just get in on the stock market and think, you know what, it will forever go up. No, many times it's, it's dropped 30%. Those are brutal times. If if your investing horizon is not 80 years, then you need to watch out. So I think it's um, two things. One is things go up and down. And number two is in an operating business, it's so dependent on who's operating. You better be able to trust that person. There's some good people in this world and there's some bad people. And when things get tough, are they excuse makers? Is it, is it they, they stop returning phone calls or they, or they just step up and say, look it, this was not something we counted on. It caught us by surprise. Let us tell you what we're doing. If I'm gonna put my money in, I'm gonna put, I wanna know that I can trust a person. And that's just, that's not something you're gonna see on paper. That's getting to know them. We're doing business now as joint venture with some younger guys that I think are very talented. We're very careful about, it's almost like a marriage. We want to be very careful about who we're teaming up with because if they screw up, it's a reflection on me.
1: I think a great segue based on what, what you just said is, you know, your approach to building Titan. I think everything you talked about, it, it really weaves into our whole conversation this time you're like, who you are, the the quality of the person that you are, and it comes through. And how you do qualitative work as well with like returns to investors. But I'm curious, like, how much of this has permeated your approach to building Titan, like trusting people, putting the right people in place. What has been your approach to building Titan, and some of the challenges and rewards, and specifically um, building culture and if if anything is going to change and how you might see that changing when things start becoming open again with social movement and being able to interact with your residents.
2: I started Titan just because something deep inside of me said that I wanted to be, I liked what I saw at this large company and the education I got and the money I made and the, the transactions I did. But I believed that um, I would be happier in a position where I was running my own shop where I could take, be responsible for the good and the bad and set the tone, set the strategy. Within that is the culture. There's certain things we all know. We've met people we didn't like. We've met people that we really liked and wanted to emulate. And I'm no different. And I think that's it. But I create this culture. Things will ebb and flow over the next short-term, long-term. What won't ever change is my culture. And right or wrong, I set it and I maintain it, and I have responsibility for putting the right people in. So if I put in somebody that's the wrong fit for them, you just call it quits and you move on. Better for them, better for us. There are some smart people that just wouldn't work within our organization. They're great people. They're smart, all that stuff. It just doesn't work. It's so important. Trust is the number one thing that um, I have to have with everybody that's in this organization. If you can't trust, everything doesn't matter after that. I'm very transparent. We, do, we have a, a very flat organizational structure. I'm not big on these layers of regional managers and reporting and, and all this stuff. We're, we're high-tech focused so we use a lot of um, cloud-based systems to immediately know where our variable expenses where our operating metrics are but down deep is I pick up the phone and I'm talking to people and we just have an honest conversation and they know I don't tell me what I want to hear tell me the truth we get stuff handled if stuff went wrong own it and move on and those that that won't ever change you know we'll Titan change into the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably riding more horses and um, turning over day to day to somebody else while I have um, ultimate oversight on it.
1: Yeah, That's really inspiring to to hear. I mean, everything about our conversation today has really inspired me. um, And I'm sure it's done the same for others. You've given us a very honest and open overview of your business. Um, you know, probably a lot of people don't want to be talking about what's going on in senior living because there is still this like fear component. So we really appreciate you being so transparent um, with what you're seeing. And it's even for us, like trust and transparency and constant communication is so important. Um, It's the only way to, to, fight against the you know, 24-hour news cycle, and, and which really is, is meant to keep us riveted to, um, you know, to fear, actually. So, um, you know, really appreciate you coming on and just blasting us with some truth um, and, and really inspirational insights into your business.
2: Well, good. I hope that was helpful. And uh, like anything, sometimes you just have to turn off the TV and And do something else. Watch a movie, right? Go ride horses. That's what I like. Listen to a podcast. (laughs) Listen to a podcast is the best idea yet.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate your time today.
0: My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode, and especially we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate.